Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Yes, yes. Welcome back on Monday to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? Yes. Ready to go, baby. Stacked show on Monday. Tons of good info to get out to you. Uh, let's get right to it, including mm-hmm. um, hat tip to Jeff, uh, what's his name, Carlson at the Markets Work. A stunningly good article about the operation that's going on to weed out the leakers and some just incredible tidbits of information that are going to scramble your eggs like we haven't in a long time. So don't miss a second of this show. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at WaxRx. You all know how much I love my sponsors. I don't uh, take on sponsors where I can't use or vouch for the product. WaxRx is incredible. I had a significant problem uh, with earwax buildup when I was a Secret Service agent sticking that earpiece in my ear all the time. You can barely hear anything after a while. WaxRx is the best solution out there. I use it every Tuesday or so um, when I get a haircut, or Mondays or Tuesdays when I go in and I, I clean out my ears. I love this stuff. It is great. It's not the sexiest product in the world to talk about, folks, but as I've told you, even I had to deal with it when I had uh, that earpiece in and the Secret Service was a big problem for me. The story I'm about to share illustrates how other people as well, uh, their lives have been changed by WaxRx. Guy emailed us, my nephew Brandon dreamed of becoming an EMT and entered training. However, he quickly discovered he could not hear through his stethoscope. Without being able to hear the patient's breathing or heartbeats, he simply wasn't going to be able to successfully complete his EMT training. We recommended that he try Wax RX, and he used it to clean his ears. Amazingly, he removed a large blockage of wax from both sides. We hear these stories all the time. Instantly, he could hear everything, including through his stethoscope. With his hearing restored, he finished his training and is now an EMT. Right now, you can try the WaxRx system by typing in GoWaxRx.com. That's GoWaxRx.com. Use offer code DAN at checkout for free shipping. That's D-A-N. Check this out, folks. It's a really cool product. I wouldn't steer you wrong on this. Go to GoWaxRx.com. Don't wait. You have no idea what you might be missing because of inner earwax. Who knows? It might just change your life. GoWaxRx.com. Offer code DAN for free shipping. You will not regret it. All right. Got a lot to get to. Economic stories, uh, really touching story about a cop who got in a fight in West Virginia who posted it on Facebook. Hmm. Uh, and uh, some other information about Cohen as well. Drops from Devin Nunez. But let's get to this one first because this James Wolf case continues to get... Uh, I mean, it is getting like Twilight Zone weird right now. Hat tip to the, uh, again, conservative treehouse guys and Jeff Carlson. I'll post one of the links in the show notes. I want you to read it. Both of the articles are in there, actually in that link. But James Wolf, for those of you who forgot, folks, um, James Wolf is the staffer on the Senate Intelligence Committee who is being currently prosecuted by the federal government for lying to federal investigators about leaks. Mm -hmm. Now, this case is getting more interesting by the moment because it keeps taking new and interesting turns. So here's a fascinating little wrinkle on this thing. So just to be clear, we got this guy, Wolf. There's some credible allegations, obviously, because there's a probable cause document and he's being prosecuted on it now, that has a staffer for the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee. He leaked info to a reporter and lied about it to the FBI. But, 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 but. He is not being charged with leaking, Joe. Eh? 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 
<laughs> he is being charged with lying to federal investigators about the leaking. How about that? How about that? Yeah, how about that? How about that? Catch me outside. You guys remember that? Yeah. Give I us did. the other one. Here's another one for you. Give us Mel Allen. How about that? How about that? How yeah. about that? So he's not being charged with leaking. Ow. He's being charged with lying. Why? Why is that? Yeah. You read the indictment of uh, James Wolfe, and it is damning. And you're like, well, why is he not being charged with the more serious crime? Leaking classified information. What is going on with this? Oh, we got a story to tell here. Folks, if you read the indictment, it indicates that on March 17th, March 17th of 2017, this guy, Wolfe, who's being charged with lying about, uh, about leaking information, Texted his uh, girlfriend at the time, a woman by the name of Allie Watkins, who wrote a story for BuzzFeed about uh, Carter Page and the FISA warrant that targeted Carter Page. And this is, I I promise, this will make sense in a second. It's not, it's, it's. It's not an irrelevant fact that they put in the indictment that they exchanged 82 texts on March 17th. Now, what happens on March 17th? This is important. March 17th is the day the what I believe to be now compromised uh, Senate Committee on Intelligence, obviously by the leak and the leaks have been coming out of there through the staff on March 17th. That's the date. The warrant to spy on the Trump team, the FISA application, the application for the to, to, in front of the FISA court, a court used to spy on terrorists. That's the date. The document is March 17, 2017, is brought over to the Senate Committee on Intelligence. Folks, follow me here. This is a, this is a unbelievable mind-bender, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, why is that important? Again, if you listen to last week's show, you know why already. If not, forgive me, but i got to recap a second for the new listeners. That's good. That's good. The FISA application that was, that was uh, not leaked, but put out by now the Department of Justice last Saturday night had, a, the, had only one date on it, one date we could see that was handwritten in. The date was March 17, 2017. Wow. Why did they leave that unredacted while the other significant dates in the document were redacted? Maybe that was a clue. Maybe it was that document that was sent on March 17th to the Intel Committee. Maybe they left that date unredacted as a clue that this was the one given to this guy, Wolf. Uh. Remember. The Senate committee in March says, listen, we want the, FI- the intelligence committee. We want the, uh, we want the FISA application. The FISA application is delivered on March 17th. It's mm. delivered to this staffer that's being prosecuted by the government. Now the FISA application becomes public last Saturday. It's delivered on March 17th. And conveniently, one of the only dates unredacted in the piece that we can see is March 17th. Maybe a hint, Joe, that this was the one given to this guy, Wolf? Yeah, it could be. Now... How long is the FISA application used to target Carter Page? I gave you a number before about texts. It's 82 plus one. I say 82 plus one because it's 82 pages plus a signature page. Again, this is all in the piece of uh, Markets Work, which I will put in the show notes. Please read it. It is excellent. And there's links to conservative treehouse pieces in there, too, that are really good, too. Check them out. Joe, the document to spy on Carter Page is 82 pages. In the indictment of Wolf, who now receives that document, the FISA application, 
the document leaks to the media. Yeah. <laughs> he sends 82 texts. Maybe Joe, what am I doing? Screen, screenshotting each individual page Ew. and texting the document to his girlfriend who then writes a piece about it in BuzzFeed. Why is this important? But y- you like that? Yeah. How about that? How about that? Because roughly 70% of the document is redacted. It's blacked out entire pages. Folks, mm. why would Wolf, if he was screenshotting the 82 pages of the document and texting them to his girlfriend to write about in BuzzFeed, why would he send her an un, a, a redacted, completely blacked out page? What I'm suggesting to you oh. is the texts he sent were the unredacted documents, meaning deep six DEFCON 6,472 level information was sent over an open medium to a reporter for BuzzFeed while simultaneously the government's claiming, no, no, you can't see it. This is totally un. This has got to be redacted. You can't see any of this. Hey, mom! The meatloaf! <laughs> How about that? <laughs> That's a meatloaf moment. That's yeah, a meatloaf moment meatloaf. if I ever saw one. Folks, these oh. media people may already have the unredacted document with all of the deep six information in it. Uh, by the way, I get the DEFCON scale. I, I know how it works. I just, if you don't say high numbers, people get confused sometimes. So please don't email me. I get thousands of emails about stuff like that. I appreciate them, but folks, the media may already have it. Why would he text and screenshot a completely blacked out page and waste the text on it? You just text the information they could see. He probably had the unredacted document. Now does it make sense why I think what's happening here, Joe, is the Justice Department, people within the Justice Department who are, there are good folks over there, folks. Let's be honest, not everybody in the Justice Department is corrupt. I'm not suggesting to you that everything's been handled by the book. I've already told you the Sessions recusal was a complete disaster. I get it. But I'm trying to suggest to you there maybe there are a few good people left in there. I know there are, mm-hmm. but the few good people that are left are kind of leaving breadcrumbs for us entrepreneurial folks out there to pick up on and pass on. The date being left exposed in the FISA application. Hey, March 17th, why would you leave that out there? Oh, because that's the same day we gave it to this guy on the Senate Intelligence Committee? Oh, by the way, the same day it's alleged he leaked it to his girlfriend? By the way, he texted her 82 times. Oh, how long was the document? Oh, 82 plus one pages. Oh, isn't that convenient? Yeah, but 70% or so of the pages were redacted. Not for him. Not for him. Whoa, boy. Oh, boy. I'd like to see if Allie Watkins has that unredacted document on her phone somewhere. Wouldn't you love to see what that has to say? Now, I got more on this, but I want to tie in multiple stories here because that's what I do for you. I go out, I read all weekend, I read some of the best stuff out there, I put it in the show notes, and I try to tie these stories together. Devin Nunes, by the way, I mean, Joe, with Maria Bartiromo, can we hat tip her enough? She has been knocking it out. If you're missing her show on Fox News on Sunday, you're missing out on all the good stuff. She Really, she has Devin Nunes on seemingly every week, Mm -hmm. and the guy drops megaton bombs all the time. So now... 
Let's be clear, just before I play this clip, this is Nunes this weekend on Maria Bartiromo's show, speaking specifically about media narratives about this. Let me just set it up. Did you notice that the media narrative, that, oh, the the left-wing media narrative now, now that they're dead to rights, the warrant to spy on the Trump team has been released, ladies and gentlemen, and it's clear as day the dossier, the fake information Hillary paid for, is a big-time component of a judicial document used to spy on an opposition political candidate. This is devastating information. The media is running out of places to hide like the cockroaches um, that, that some of them have become. The lights come on and they don't know what to do. They're hiding everywhere. Ah, ah, ah. What do we do? What do we do? Okay, first we said the dossier didn't matter. Now we say the dossier does matter. Now we say the dossier was used to spy, but it was only a little piece to spy. So the media narrative has been, Joe, for the longest time. No, the FISA application you just saw Saturday night that came out, which clearly, clear as day, indicates Hillary Clinton's paid-for information was used to spy on the Trump team. Oh, that's not it, Joe. There's more information in the redactions that's blacked out that you just don't know about. And that's really what was used to spy. Now, I just suggested to you by setting this up that the media may already have the unredacted document. Did you notice the media's quieted down a whole lot on that narrative? That narrative is almost dead and buried now. You don't even hear liberal talking heads on the media talking. About it. In other words, that whole, oh, no, no, the real good stuff is in the redactions. Do you notice how that's died down? Mm-hmm. I'm going to play two cuts from Devin Nunes, who has, by the way, seen this information. And I want you to just see how he's playing a little bit of poker here. Okay, play cut one with Bartiromo. If you look at what they were saying, they said, oh, but the really juicy stuff, it's, it's actually the really stuff that proves collusion and how bad Carter Page really was and how they were colluding with the Russians. That's what's redacted. Well, that was, that was kind of the news for 48 hours. But once the left and the media found out that the House Republicans on the Intelligence Committee had asked <laughs> back in June for the president to declassify up to 20 pages, you hear crickets. You hear nothing. You don't hear them. They don't want that unredacted. They don't want transparency for the American people. So the, pre- the president has the letter from us. Uh, I think his lawyers are looking at this to see if they can uh, declassify it sooner rather than later. But the sooner this comes out, the better off we all are, because what I've said is what's left that's redacted. The American people really need to know what's underneath. Yeah. Oh, boy. How about that? So Devin Nunes, who's actually seen the stuff, by the way, and and I'm sure of it, by the way, a lot of media folks out there as well who have probably seen at least a good portion of this blacked out information as well. It's supposed to be damning about the Trump team. Nunes has seen it. He's a, keep in mind. This, he's a Republican from California who's been all over this case. He's like, no, let's put it out there. Let's put it out there. Now, folks, you're going to play chicken. You better be damn You better be damn straight that you're willing to go. You know what chicken is. You ever see Footloose? Yep. You're willing to play chicken. You want to win. Winning's really losing. The media is, it is. What are you going to do, get in a car accident? Remember Footloose? Just drive the cars at each other at high speeds. Yeah, that's a genius idea. Like, what kind of idiot thought of that game? The me- This is what the media is doing. The problem is Devin Nunes is in an armored car, and they're in a Pinto. They have nowhere to go because Nunes and a lot of media people have already seen, likely, the unredacted information Nunes has, and he knows it's even worse than the stuff you've already seen. Cue up cut two, Joe, where he goes into this even more. How now all of a sudden that narrative's dying down too because now the media's like, hey guys, 
BS narrative number 672 about how the really bad stuff is in the blacked out stuff. Oh, it's really not. We've seen it. It's even worse. It looks terrible for the Obama administration. Maybe Joe winking a nod. Maybe it talks about the use of informants, mm. spies to hit the Trump team. Maybe Nunes has seen it. He's like, no, let's see that. If people think using the Clinton dirt to get a FISA is bad, what she what else that's in that application is even worse. And you identify a specific number of pages in the letter you sent to President Trump uh, that need to be redacted. Can you tell us anything about what could possibly be even worse than using an unverified piece of (laughs) nonsense to actually get a warrant to, to spy on an American citizen? Well, and therein lies the problem, right? So, so you, the, the mainstream media and the left, they can run out and say, well, what's really bad in there is the stuff that the public can't see. It's redacted. But the reality is, is that's not the case. Those of us uh, who have been providing oversight over this issue, uh, we've had several of our members who have been painstakingly going through it piece by piece. And we are quite confident that once the American people see these 20 pages, uh, at least for those that will get real reporting on this issue, they will be shocked by what's in that FISA. Wow. Wow. Isn't that special? Nunes, who's actually seen it. Listen, um, I'm being serious here. Libs and, and media dudes and ladies out there. You sure you want to keep playing ball with this guy? You are getting smoked at every single turn. He put out his his memorandum. Remember the House uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence put out their report on the dossier, the FISA application. Oh, it's all lies. So the FISA application comes out. Okay, it's not lies, but there's more information in the redactions. Nunez comes out. Okay, let's see those. Uh, let's see what those redactions, unredacted, have to say. Let's see. All of a sudden, everybody's super quiet. You don't hear anything about that narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, this case is worse. It's even worse. It may be uh, talk about potential unmasking, maybe talk about things like informants being run against a political campaign, uh, you know, third world, uh, thir- third world country type tactics. Is it possible, just possible for a second, which I, I already know the answer to this. Is it possible that the dossier, Joe, The stuff they left unredacted for us to see in the document is the best part of it. Notice how quiet everybody's gotten all of a sudden about this. Mm. Now, so that, um, that was the first part of it. The 82 texts, I don't believe that was in there by accident. Now, listen, it could just be precision in the in charging documents to get the information. I think it was more than that. This is a signal about what exactly happened here. 82 texts, the document, the core of it is 82 pages long. It is possible that the leaker, that this guy Wolf's alleged to be in these documents, that this guy texted potentially screenshots of every single page, which based on just common sense would be unredacted, meaning the media's probably already seen this stuff. And so has... Everyone else at this if, point. If they, you know how they, of course, yes, they do. have yeah. no sense of their loyalty is to clicks and, and, and liberal ideas. Damn right. Damn right. Now, second, I'm going to include in today's show notes as well, a Washington Post piece. Uh, you know, I hate to do that, but forget the piece. Just read the correction. The corrections are damning. Folks, it is starting to become obvious. I've hit on this now a couple times. 
Uh, but it is now becoming obvious that this was a trap. That the Justice Department, people in the Justice Department, have been working on people leaking sensitive, highly classified government information for a long time now. Now, this is all in uh, the Markets Work piece, again, which will be on uh, on the show notes today. Go to Bongino.com. Please subscribe to my email list. I'll send them right to you. Let me give you some significant dates. Remember the Miami Vice thing I always tell you about. You know, you leaked the wrong date to people and they published the wrong date and only you know it's the wrong date. Yeah. Then you know who the leakers are. Why? Because you gave the right date to everyone else and you gave the wrong date to just one person. There have been a number of these traps set up, these information traps that have repeatedly snagged media people. I believe Wolf and I and a lot of other people working on this case believe this too, was caught up in this in this in this type of operation by the government to out these leakers. Some significant dates. This is from the Markets Workpiece. December 1st, 2017, Brian Ross from ABC gets a fake news leak about Mike Flynn. Later retracted and Brian Ross suspended. Remember how these leaks work. The core of the story is correct or else it won't be believable and the media won't report on it. You can't give them a story like the Martians landed on the moon. Ah, <laughs> They're not going to, rep- well, with the media, you never know. But realistically, even if you're semi-responsible, you're only going to report credible stories. So what they do, how the trap's been working, Joe, is they report credible information with one wrong fact about it that can out who the leaker is. Mm-hmm. The Brian Ross story at ABC in December was that Mike Flynn had been asked to contact uh, the Russians to contact them as when, when Trump was a candidate. That was not factual information. That was not correct. It was as a, uh, he was not asked to contact them as a candidate. He was asked to contact them as a national security advisor, which would be what we would call his job, okay? Second piece of information. December 3rd, 2017, the fake news leak about Paul Manafort broadcast by ABC, which was later retracted. December 4th. A fake news leak about Deutsche Bank, the subpoena for Trump's bank records, reported by Bloomberg, later retracted. That was the one, they're subpoenaing Trump's bank records. It wasn't Trump's bank records. That story was false, too. It was other people. It wasn't, it was other people involved in the Trump orbit. It was not Trump. Again, the core of the story is correct. Oh, Deutsche Bank, but it wasn't, in fact, Trump. December 8th. CNN's Manu Raju gets fake news leak about WikiLeaks and Don Trump Jr.'s email. The date on the email was wrong. The date was critical. Right. Because they backdated it, the fake date, and the date was before the information had already become public. Yeah. In other words, they were saying, oh, look, he's got a back channel. How do you get a back channel? Information's already out on the internet. <laughs> now, when you understand that and how the information trap was being set up, this is a beautiful thing now because now the rest of it starts to make sense. I have a Washington Post piece in there that describes the FISA warrant. Describes the FISA warrant that uh, the application that now we we were re- relatively confident was leaked, and I'm pretty confident was leaked in unredacted form. Remember the date, the March 17th date. We can also be relatively confident, Joe, that the copy that was leaked was the copy given to this guy who is now being prosecuted for false statements about leaking. If you look at the correction in the Washington Post piece, the April 11th piece, where the, that's the first time we hear about the FISA application. That's the first time we hear with Carter. Now, 
April 3rd is the first time we hear about Carter Page from Allie Watkins, who's the girlfriend of, of the guy who's alleged to be the leaker, Wolf. You got it? But the first time we hear about the FISA warrant is about a week later on April 11th in the Washington Post. And the correction at the bottom of the piece, scroll all the way down, it's in the show notes, is massive. It says, hey, uh, by the way, the original date of the FISA we reported as being in the summer of, of 2016, it's actually October. Huh. Why would the summer... Why would you leak a story about the FISA, but the date on it be backdated to the summer? Maybe because that's when Carter Page was still with the Trump team and they wanted the story to be believable enough that these media idiots would fall for it. In other words, Joe, Trump, uh, yeah. Carter Page had already leaving. Uh, leaving. <laughs> Speak English, Bongino. <laughs> Carter Page had already left right. the Trump team by October. Somebody backdated a date and fed that information to the Washington Post that the FISA warrant was in the summer. Somebody, I think, misled them again to get them. These media people are being played like fiddles. The corrections in these reports are the story. The media is so desperate to get negative information on Trump that I believe they're giving up their journalistic standards of double and triple vetting the information. They're taking the first thing that comes down the pipeline, not really realizing that the information coming down the pipeline is a trap for them. They're being set up. Read the corrections in the piece. Also, one more, uh, as pointed out by... uh, uh, Carlson in the piece about the October 19th date. You see multiple pieces of reporting in the Washington Post, Philip Bump and others, Joe, reporting that the FISA warrant was issued on October 19th. It was not. It was issued on the 21st. I'm telling you that somebody, this, is, this has been part of an ongoing operation to out these guys and they keep getting sucked up in the trap. Yeah. And it's highly likely that this guy, Wolf, who there are some credible allegations against him now. The government's going full bore against him. It's highly likely that this guy Wolf was a part of it. Now, here's where it gets interesting. I'm going to wrap this up because I got a lot of stuff to get to today. This stuff is going to just blow your mind. Wolf, Joe, Wolf's attorney Mm -hmm. on July 27th sent out some kind of a request saying that he may be calling... Who to testify on his behalf? Now, remember what he's being charged with? The leaker, the the alleged leaker, according to the government documents, of this FISA application to this reporter, according to the documents allegations, right? He is being charged with false statements to the FBI, not with the leaking. Who is he calling in his defense? Again, we're talking about the guy who's alleged to have leaked. Pregnant pause. The United States senators on the Senate Intelligence Committee. Ooh. How about that? Ooh. Why do you think he'd be doing that? Maybe he's not lying. He's being charged with false statements. 
Why would he call a bunch of United States senators on the Intel Committee to his defense in a case where he's being charged with lying to the FBI about leaking? Why would he do that? Oh, boy. Maybe because there's some U.S. senators who may have told him, hey, why don't you go leak that? Why don't you go leak that piece of info there? You got some connections in the press? I don't want my fingerprints on this. So how about you go do that? Wow, you may want to look at that list of people on that Senate Intel Committee. Now, does it make sense? You may start to see some really inconvenient names on there. People who've been like, Republicans too, by the way. Yeah, I I think everything was done by the book here. Let's stop paying attention to this. (laughs) Democrats like Mark Warner. Oh, we got to go after this Trump. We got to take him down quick. Ah, yeah, we probably do. We probably do, so you guys can all get away with it. Joe, do you realize this? I mean, every week on this show, we, we, we bust out a new neutron bomb for you. And I want to applaud, by the way. I am, I, I really, all of the people doing incredible journalistic work in lieu of a, of a lost bunch of hacks in the real media who refuse to do any Watergate-like work on this. I want to applaud what I'll call the real media out there, these entrepreneurial types who've been digging through FISA applications, my co-writers, my researchers, Carlson, the Treehouse guys, Andy McCarthy, everyone out there who is Molly Hemingway, who has been knocking it out of the park on this case. Ladies and gentlemen, this is scandal on top of scandal on top of scandal on top of cover up on top of cover up on top of cover up. Now, does it make sense why the most outspoken people about Russia collusion with the Trump team are some of the senators on the Intel Committee? Just look at the list. The names may sound familiar. He's calling, the leakers calling the senators in his defense. Oh boy, we're going to have a constitutional crisis soon. Senators are going to say, well, we're not obligated to testify on that. This is Senate deliberation. Really? Leaking classified information? I wasn't aware of that. Joe, are you picking up what I'm laying down here? I'm picking it up pretty good, Dan. This is a monumental scandal. Now we're not just talking about the fake dossier used to spy on the Trump team using political information, the lying about the dossier, the redactions in the in the FISA application that are probably even worse, informants being run at the Trump team. Now we're talking about authorized leaks of classified information potentially from United States senators to damage the president of the United States. How about that? <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. That's right. Really? It only gets better, folks. All right. I got a lot more to get to. So uh, today's show brought to you by our buddies at iTarget. We love iTarget. If you're going to own a firearm, we obviously want to know how to be safe with them, but we we have to be proficient with them as well. God forbid you're involved in a self-defense scenario. Proficiency is going to matter. You know, I'll never forget the story of uh, Matt Eversman, who came to the Secret Service Training Center. He was involved in the Black Hawk Down incident. Staff Sergeant Matt Eversman used to talk to us in the Secret Service about the incident so we could learn things from it. And uh, in a in a re- it was a really great little seminar he put on. And one of the things he always used to come away with and tell us was that uh, when they were over there in the Black Hawk Down incident fighting the Somalis show that 
they, they had no accuracy with their weaponry at all, that they would just spray and pray. And meanwhile, the U.S. military guys, the Delta and the Ranger guys, were precise, and they didn't waste ammo and things like that, and that was really what kept most of them alive. So proficiency matters, folks. One of the best ways to up your proficiency with your firearm is the iTarget system. What is it? The iTarget Pro system is a laser round they will send you that you insert into a safely unloaded firearm. Check it. Check it twice. Check it three times for safety. Don't forget. Um, It is a laser round you will insert into a safely unloaded firearm. The one you have now. You don't have to make any manipulations. There's no special barrels, no special equipment. It all comes with the iTarget Pro system. When you depress the trigger on that safely unloaded firearm with the laser round in there, it'll emit a laser onto a target they send you, and you'll see exactly where the round would have gone. See, dry firing is great. Practicing uh, your trigger pull, your grip, your sight alignment on a safely unloaded weapon, that's terrific. We used to do it in law enforcement all the time. I do it on the range. Of course, you always point that firearm in a safe direction. Always. No excuses, right? The problem with dry firing is you have no idea where the rounds would have gone because it's, it's unloaded. This solves that problem for you. It'll emit a laser onto the target. You see exactly where they would want. You see you're pulling to the right. Maybe you're gripping a little too hard. You're pulling to the left, maybe a little too loose. Your your rounds are going low with the iTarget system because you'll see where they would have gone. Now, maybe you're anticipating. This is a way that one of the best ways out there to clean up your, uh, your, uh, your, your, your grip, your trigger control, your sight picture, your sight alignment. I can't say enough about it. I get ex- unbelievably, really detailed emails about how great this system is. The website, itargetpro.com. That's the letter itargetpro.com. itargetpro.com. Please pick it up. Use promo code DAN for 10% off. itargetpro.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't say enough about this system. It is really, really terrific. All right? Don't uh, don't skip, don't pass up this opportunity to get 10% off. Sorry. Just so you don't have to cut this out, Joe. I'm just... I always have uh, always have stuff going on. Joe's like, "What is he doing?" I now you know, I, back and I forgot. I'm 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 almost in a stupor from the saturation level of corruption. It's unbelievable. The, it, I, it, I, I spent sorry. the whole Sunday doing this I'm, I'm and serious. looking through these articles. And what really sh- a lot of things shocked me about that. I thought a great pickup by the guys we mentioned in the piece was the eighty two was the uh, the uh, eighty two texts that were exchanged. I thought that was a really really terrific pickup there. Yeah, because um, yeah. it's 82 pages. But I thought, secondly, the pickup about how he's actually going to s- request subpoenas for testifying from senators. You're like, man, are they? And now you know why they're all in a panic. Yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. Um, okay. So Michael Cohen, um, I wanted to read to you something by Michael Cohen, because this is uh, another interesting piece. Michael Cohen, who is uh, was Donald Trump's former attorney. Mm-hmm. Cohen is now being celebrated by liberals with Trump derangement syndrome. Look, we got him now, Joe. Again, this is time number 1,678. We got him. We got him. Trump's going down now. Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen. Um, I read to you a text last week from Michael Cohen where he called the dossier the entire basis for the Trump collusion narrative. uh, Quote, a lie-filled document. Oh, yeah, sounds like a great case uh, for collusion. So your collusion case is based on a dossier which your star witness has called a life-filled document. Sounds great, Joe. This mm. case sounds like, if you're a liberal, that case sounds like a real winner. Here's where it gets even better. Hat tip Molly Hemingway, by the way, for pointing this out on her Twitter feed. She has a screenshot from Joe. CNN politics. Those far-right people at CNN. <laughs> this is real. It's not make, we're not making this up. This is Cohen's own words, by the way. There's some quotes in here from him. 
given my own proximity to the president of the United States as a candidate, let me also say, this is the left star witness, Joe. <laughs> I never saw anything, not a hint of anything, that demonstrated his involvement in Russian interference in our election or any form of collusion. I emphatically state that I had nothing to do with any Russian involvement in our electoral process. Oh, oh, isn't that great? <laughs> So your star witness is on his own Twitter feed talking about how the entire bedrock of your collusion case, the dossier, is, quote, a lie-filled document. And he's on the record having said, I haven't seen anything about collusion, even a hint of collusion. Matter of fact, he says, I emphatically state it. <laughs> Reminds me of that, but that, but that scene in uh, A Few Good Men. I object. I strenuously object. I, he's emphatically. Emphatically. He emphatically denies this. This is your star witness. Nice work there. Again, hat tip Molly Hemingway for finding that gem. Uh, I take screenshots of everything these days because this is what I do. I spend my, I'm not kidding. I spend my entire weekend going through the, the, the entire interweb out there to find information for you. To bring, and that was just a great one. This is their star witness. This is, and this thing's going to collapse on them so fast. It's going to be incredible. Okay. Um. On a different note, a little uh, more somber note, there was a Fox News piece, which I'll have in the show notes again for you to read. Please read it. I strongly, strongly encourage you to read it. Um, also, wait, before I get to that in the show notes today, um, for some reason, the Clinton surplus has come up again. You know, it's a topic sensitive to my heart because there was no Clinton surplus. <laughs> yeah. So I asked um, our resident debunker in chief and researcher, Matt Palumbo, to put out again at Bongino.com an easy debunking of the Clinton surplus, which he did. It'll be in the show notes today. It's the first article. Check it out because I still hear people talking about this ridiculous uh, you know, Clinton surplus that didn't exist. Um, having said that, there's a, a piece at FoxNews.com about a Brook County, West Virginia uh, police officer by the name of Kristen Richmond. She responds to a call, Joe. Have you heard this story? Mm -mm. To uh, some 21-year-old a uh, guy who's throwing stuff off of uh, throwing stuff around in a room. She responds to the call. The call turns into just a complete free for all. It turns into a five minute melee. And as she says in her, she writes a Facebook post about it. And as she's clear about, it's not me. Uh, she, she gets tuned up pretty good in the piece, mm. but the Facebook post is worth your time. And it's worth your time because a topic that's very sensitive to me. And a lot of you regular listeners have heard me bring up, often is my i can't i can't say in strong enough terms how horrible it would be if this country starts to in, envision violence as some kind of a political solution i say that because i've been genuinely bothered and kind of freaked out lately about how the left is starting to now just openly i'm not even talking about fringe elements of the left i'm talking about some point mainstream players on the left who at a minimum, Joe, are not condemning violence and allowing it to happen as a solution. When you read this for them, which, they, which is absurd, right. when you read this Facebook post by this woman, this police officer, about what happened to her in this five-minute free-for-all with this guy. She had a broken nose. There's blood all over her. You can see the pictures. Uh, she had some really serious injuries. Uh, the guy went for her gun. You will see the horror of violence. And it reminded me of the episode we did where I talked about one of the reasons. I want to bring this up again because it's important in light of this. The people, Joe, who are the most uncomfortable and terrified of violence are people who've actually been engaged in it and a victim of it. Mm -hmm. 
uh, victims, people in the military, people in law enforcement, people who are actual fighters. These are the people, interestingly enough, who are the ones who advocate the strongest people, you know, like me. Who, listen, I go to Brazilian jiu-jitsu almost every Saturday. I practice literal violence. Mm-hmm. And I'm the one on the show saying it's the worst thing ever. This is not a solution to any political problem ever. It is a, a means of self-defense only. And if you think otherwise, like some leftists are, a lot of them actually, you are, you are, you are grotesquely misinformed, immorally disinformed. Now, the reason I think this is, and I've explained this before, but it's worth repeating. I mean, you read the article, you'll understand why. The reason the radical left is going down this violent path, this constant death wish on Trump, attacking people um, at rallies, uh, is because they live in this cocoon of safe spaces and they don't know any different. That that safe space is not available to conservatives. Guys, ladies out there, understand this and take, take solace in this. You all are hard. You are hard people. You have calloused hands. You have thick skin. You have been attacked forever, being called the worst of names. You have been spit on. You've had your MAGA hat stolen. You've had drinks dumped on you. In many cases, you've been attacked. You've been verbally attacked, physically attacked. You have been there. Your skin is thick. You are ready for the fight. And when I say the fight, I mean the ideological one. But the problem with the left is that they don't have that same thing. They live in these protected, cocoon, safe space environments where they live in insulated violence. They know they can show up at rallies as Antifa and attack people knowing what? The cops will protect them. They know that in their college campuses, if they get up in your face and they scream that you're a racist or whatever it is or some horrible term at you, that they know their college professors will side with them in the administration as well if you're a conservative. They know they have their safe spaces to go to if they feel uncomfortable. Remember that, what is it, Trigley Puff uh, girl? I think it was Trigley Puff, they call her. I forget her name or something. But the one ah, 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 screaming at the rally. They know they can have childlike tantrums at these rallies uh, for conservatives where conservative speakers are there. And they know nothing will happen to them. They live in an insulated environment where the consequences of... Uh, uh, of political violence and verbal altercations are not real for them because there are no consequences. They're celebrated as heroes. Throw someone out of your restaurant like a like a like an idiot for that lady in the red hen with Sarah Sanders, like a jerk, like a degenerate. And you're celebrated by the left for your incivility. Folks, let me be absolutely crystal clear. If I own a restaurant, you could be the most kooky far leftist in the world. You want to come into my restaurant and act civil and eat like a normal person? You are more than welcome. I am a free market capitalist. I am not at all a believer in this. In And, and there was an interesting piece this weekend in the Wall Street Journal about, a, uh, I think Orrin Hatch wrote it, about, Joe, a Geneva convention for political debate. And I thought it was fascinating. And he brings up a great point. That communal spaces where we all gather used to be strictly off limits for this type of stuff. Right. Not strictly off limits for political debate. Let me be clear. Mm-hmm. But strictly off limits for violent, har- harassing type behavior, communal spaces, restaurants, parks. You want to have a civil discussion? Fine. You don't go to a park to attack your friends who live in the neighborhood because they're Trump fans while they're there with their kids. This is the kind of stuff that happens with uncivilized savages. So Hatch's point is, hey, can we have like a Geneva convention here, you know, the rules of war, for this political debate that communal spaces will be civil? Is this? Do we really have to say this? 
But you read this piece about the, about violence and the people who've actually suffered the consequences of violence. This officer who's clearly freaked out by this, and I don't. I I, I compliment her bravery for putting this out there. She makes no attempt to cover how frightening this was. And you see why real people who've been in the real world with real violence, with real consequences, who are hard to it, are the first ones to say, dude, this is not the path to go down. Liberals have never, ever been there. They don't understand. They live in a shielded, safe space environment. The world is a safe space for them. And it reminds me of a problem I brought up before. And I want to wrap because I, I want to get to this economic story, too. But this is important, folks. It's called the Superman problem. What's the Superman problem? You know, I watched the Man of Steel movie, the 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 one before Batman versus Superman with uh the new guy. I forget his name. He's in the Mission Impossible movies. Henry something. Henry Cavill. That's it. And I came out of the movie uh, and I was like, nah. And I couldn't figure out what about the movie bothered me. And I read a review of it, and I was like, bingo, that's it, the Superman problem. And I've actually discussed this on the show before, but this is for, if you have to be a regular listener, remember this one. What bothered me about the movie and Superman versus Batman is conservatives are Batman. We're human. We can get hurt. Mm -hmm. We've been hurt. We understand what it's like for Bane to break our back and have to recover from it. All right, Batman's a fictional character. It's an analogy. Roll with it. You understand. You've been there. Batman bleeds. He bleeds. He hurts. Legs break. Wrists break. His back breaks in one of them. Batman can get hurt. I never really liked Superman growing up, and I didn't like the movie. Because everybody, oh, Superman's so brave, is he? Superman can't be hurt. He almost feels no pain. He's the man of steel. He's never hurt. He obviously can't feel a lot of pain. He's not human like Batman. Liberals think they're Superman because there's no consequences for their behavior. Superman, unless it's kryptonite, he's the man of steel. Nothing hurts him. Bullets bounce off. And Joe, I mean, is it really brave facing down a firearm if the bullet, they can't do anything to him? Yeah. Now, Batman, on the other hand, who's looking at potential death who confronts these criminals, that's bravery. You all, you conservatives out there fighting the good fight on college campuses that have to worry about being verbally attacked, having your professors take grade points away from you, in some cases physically attacked by people, people out there in the public space putting on your MAGA hats, fighting the fight, worried that any given moment someone's going to pour a drink at you, attack you, accost you. That's brave. You're the Batman of the movement. You're not the Superman. The liberals are the Superman, and I don't mean that qualitatively, because they can't be hurt. The media protects them. Safe spaces protect them. Academia protects them. You know, civil society protects them. Oh, these are the reasonable people, the liberals. Meanwhile, they're the most irrational people out there. They're not brave, folks. They're cowards. They are complete, total cowards. You are the ones who have taken the cuts and the broken legs. You are the ones who have taken all the verbal assaults and had your stuff stolen and drinks poured on you. You are the ones. Don't ever forget that. Smile a little bit knowing that you left the earth one day involved in a fight where there were actual consequences. Not the left, where whatever they say, calling people horrible names, attacking them, there's always, someone always jumps to their defense. They're cowards. You're not. All right. Let's see what else we've got here. i got one more story I want to get to. It's a good one. 
All right, today's show also brought to you by our pals at Lending Club. Hey, for decades, credit cards have been telling us, buy it now and pay for it later with interest. Come on, we all know that that's the, really uh, the quickest path to bankruptcy, folks. You don't want a tidal wave of debt coming ashore in your house. Despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control fast. Listen, this happened to me. We ran for office. My wife and I had to take on a lot of debt to do it. We were not rich by any stretch. We did that. So with Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable, fixed rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow, pick the terms that are right for you, and if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash Dan. That's LendingClub.com slash Dan. Check your rate in just minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash Dan. LendingClub.com slash Dan. All loans made by WebBank member FDIC equal housing lender. Go check them out, folks. Great uh, great website. LendingClub.com slash Dan. Okay. Um, the Wall Street Journal has a terrific piece out today. I can't put it in the show notes, but I'll sum it, I'll sum it up for you because it's uh, subscriber only. I don't want to drive you all nuts. But it talks about how the Trump economy has debunked a, a, a basically a good chunk of liberal myths about how economics actually works. So the piece is by Mike Salon, uh, S-O-L-O-N, at the Wall Street Journal, if you want to Google it yourself, but I believe it's subscriber only, but it's an excellent piece. And it talks about three things liberal to- liberals told us would happen if Trump was elected and Trump enacted tax cuts and how Trumponomics would fail. They said, well, you know, the government's going to, of course, uh, the tax cuts show are going to cost the government money. Oh, am I tired, 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 tired of hearing this about the, the government doesn't... If you don't rob someone on the street, you haven't cost them any money. It's your money. Number one, that talking point is just ideologically stupid. If the government doesn't take your money, it doesn't cost the government anything. Again, if a dude doesn't rob you on the street, it didn't cost the dude anything. But what they're really trying to say is if we institute tax rate cuts, that revenue to the government would decrease. That is the precise way to say it that liberals won't because the focus group tested talking point is going to cost the government money and people freak out Mm. because they think the government's free, like it's funded by the money fairy. Okay, that is not true. That is, matter of fact, incorrect. Now, here we go from the Wall Street Journal piece by Mike Salon. The CBO, Joe, now projects projects that additional revenue from this economic surge will offset 88.2% of the estimated 10-year cost of the tax cut. That contrasts sharply with the CBO's assessment that President Obama's economic slump lost $3.2 trillion in projected 10-year revenue during his last three years, almost five times more revenue lost than was gained by his 2013 tax hike. Oh! Oh, really? Think about what he just beautifully mm. summed up there. So right now, we're not, Joe, we're not even firing on all cylinders yet. The 4.1% GDP growth number that they reported last week for the quarter was really nice. But it's not even close to what Reagan did annually at 6%, mm-hmm. I believe in 85 or 86. What I'm trying to tell you is the ceiling on economic growth, we haven't reached it yet. 
I think Trump is going to push us towards five and six annual. That 4.1% Joe was for a quarter, three mm-hmm. months. Right. We're not even there yet. And we're already now, due to the economic surge, at 88% of the so-called cost of the 10-year tax cut. Meaning it costs, quote, cost the government almost nothing already. And we haven't even reached peak growth yet. Contrast that, as Salon says in the piece, Mike Salon, not Salon, the Wall Street Journal, as he says in the piece, that Obama's tax hike lost $3.2 trillion. Five times more revenue was lost than was gained by his tax hike (laughs) due to uh, the lack of economic growth. Again, liberals, don't let these facts get in the way of a good time for you. And a good time for you is rhetorical violence, screaming at us, yelling at us, and attacking us for basic facts and data. We get that. But Trump's tax cut, nearly two months in, is already projected to have paid for itself. We haven't even hit peak growth. Meanwhile, wait, I got to, because this is hard for liberals. Liberals, tax cut Trump nearly pays for itself. Tax hike Obama lost five times more money than it was projected to take in. Tax hike loses money. So this, I bring this up in simple liberal terms and liberal language, Joe, mm. to show them, to express to them in words that if you're, even if your goal is to not cost the government money. In other words, to have the money government steal more money from people, right? Mm-hmm. Even if that's your goal, Obama failed to meet your goal by a long shot while Trump's tax cut is already on pace to pay for itself and not lose a dime. How about that? How about that, Mel? Don't again, don't let any of this get in the way of your silly, stupid arguments. You you know. I debated Chris Hahn on Judge Janine again on Saturday night, okay? I've been hearing Which about I it. enjoy. And I like Chris <laughs> off the air. It's not personal. Chris and I email each other. But I'm telling you that this is why it's so easy to debate liberals, Joe. They just... if Guys, if you don't have the facts, it is impossible in a debate with someone who knows the facts to win a debate because people are just going to go and Google it. I said to him on the air at one point on a debate three, four weeks ago, he said to me, You know, that's not true that Obama handed Trump a 1.9% growth rate. He said it so convincingly, Joe, Mm -hmm. that I got off the air and I thought, am I wrong? Like, I know I do my homework. And I go and I Google it. No, of course, I was right. He handed him a 1.9% growth rate in the last quarter. So I corrected him on the air. Nothing, crickets. This happens all the time with libs. The tax cut's going to cost the government money. Actually, the projections are it's going to level out now. We haven't even hit growth. It may actually make the government money like the gover- like the Reagan tax cuts did where they doubled government revenue. No, Obama. Ob- no, Obama's tax hike actually cost the government money. Um, uh, okay, how about that? Have a nice day. <laughs> These guys never, ever come prepared. The facts aren't on the... Sooner or later... Your argument has to be buttressed by actual data or your argument is irrelevant. You're just talking. You're just spewing nonsense. Okay. Another popular myth undone by the Trump tax cuts. I'm quoting the Wall Street Journal piece here. Is that the growth renaissance, uh, excuse me, the next popular myth undone by the growth renaissance is that corporate tax cuts benefit only rich shareholders. That's as far as I rich. 
Starach. Idiots. So stupid. You really, I'm so tired of you guys. Seriously, liberal, I'm so tired of it. You have nothing new to bring to the table. All right, I go on. That wasn't in the piece. <laughs> It'd be interesting if it was. <laughs> Since the tax cut show, the Labor Department reports that worker bonuses have hit the highest level ever recorded. Oh, oh, really? The Commerce Department, that evil government entity, Joe, the Commerce Department, reports that wages and salaries are growing almost 25% faster under President Trump than Mr. Obama. The recent tidal wave of customer rebates also from utilities and cable companies also exposes the massive burden that high corporate taxes have been exposing on consumers. Oh, okay. So it benefits the rich. The rich. Okay. So the Commerce Department is reporting that wages and salaries are growing 25% faster. Notice it didn't say for the rich. That means for you. We have a record worker bonuses at their jobs. Notice it doesn't say for the rich. It says for you. But again, libs, don't let this get in the way of another stupid argument. Guys, ladies, I'm not messing with you here, okay? You need to be prepared. I, I, I do this show for you. The original concept of this show for me and Joe was to put a show out for, during your commute where you would have facts and hard data you could debate your liberal friends with. Mm-hmm. You need to play the show twice or write this stuff down and memorize this stuff because it entirely debunks the nonsense your liberal friends say and they have nowhere to go. Nowhere. I want statistics. Okay, the Commerce Department, <laughs> that doesn't work for you? They, they are wrong. They're either really dumb or they're really liars. There is no option C. They don't have anything. It costs the government money. Um, actually, it's not. We're already 88% of the way there on current projections. By the way, income tax revenue is the highest it's ever been. It benefits the rich. Actually, the Commerce Department says otherwise, that we've seen explosive growth in wages. So I don't, what are you, t- are you just making this up? Finally, talking point number three. Easily debunked against, Joe. Well, the stock market boom. Oh, that clearly benefits the rich only. Oh, now this is where conservatives, who some of them who don't know the numbers, start to back off. Oh, stocks, stocks. Mm-hmm. Stocks, only rich people own stocks. Really? Mm-hmm. You sure about that? Because that's not what the numbers say. I quote again from the piece. The stock market boom spurred by tax reform helps the middle class too. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. A 2016 study in tax notes found that about 50% of all domestically owned corporate shares are in individual retirement accounts and pension plans. The nest egg of working Americans. 50% for liberals. That means half. That's half of 100%, which is whole. Half, whole. 50% are owned by people who have these stocks in IRAs and pension plans. If I'm not rich... Oh, you may say, well, clearly the other 50% is for the rich. Oh, you'd be wrong there too. The piece goes on. Another 17.6% of shares are held by nonprofits and life insurance companies. Nonprofits, those bastions of the rich and life insurance companies. Wait, you're middle class, you don't have a life insurance policy? Record dividends and buybacks could see total shareholder returns this year exceed $1 trillion, with the majority flowing to retirees or charities like the United Way. Libs, again, don't let any of these facts get in the way of your continued focus group tested to stupidity. I know the stupidity works for you, 
But I want you just for a second to turn, take the ideological blindness. You know, when I drive up my road here, coming out of my community, there's a horse farm on the left. Now, I'm not really familiar with horses, but I don't know if it's a breeding thing or if it's, they put, do you know anything about horses, Joe? They put these blinders on the horses. Yeah, yeah. Just, I know about the blinders and they have hooves. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. I don't know anything about it. But they put these blinders on these horses. I don't know if it's like mating season or what. And they want to, you know, you got to control. I have no idea. All I know is every time I drive by the horse with the like the blinder mask on, I think those are my liberal friends. They go through life mm. eating the grass on the ground with the blinders on. As long as they're fed and they can't see anything around them, they're happy. The horse is happy. He's got the blinders on. He's the guy's got like a bathtub full of water. I love watching the horses. I love animals. They go, they drink the water out of. I'm not kidding. There's an actual bathtub there full of water, and they eat the grass, but they don't see anything, and life is good. They're fat, dumb, and happy. This is the modern liberal. Blind to the world. Blind to facts, data, and reality. Because they're happy. Because they're happy. Because they don't think any of this stuff is eventually going to infect them. It's all BS. Wake up. My gosh, wake up. We're running out of time to fight the stupid. It's spreading. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Um, please uh, go check out the Chum Store. We've been selling a whole boatload of T-shirts. We got some new ones coming. We're working on some some specials by request for you. We get a lot of requests. And uh, please, 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 we're begging you, Joe and I, please subscribe to the show. Uh, we appreciate that you download and listen, but it's the actual subscriptions. It is totally free. It is of no cost to you. That will never change. Go to iTunes. Go to Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, uh, just you, all you have to do is click follow on iHeartRadio or subscribe. It is totally free, but the subscriptions drive us way up the charts. We have been rocking it for the last two weeks, uh, three weeks, thanks to you. We yeah. really appreciate it. All right, folks, thanks again. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.